0: Good morning, it is Kale and Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. Great to have you with us on this Wednesday, 18th day of October. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Northeast Delta Dental has individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. You can learn more and find your plan at deltadental.com coversme.com. You know what happened ninety years ago this very night? Ninety years ago, the opening of the Concord Theater, and uh, that was the big movie theater downtown. And uh, it is now the Bank of New Hampshire Stage. And tonight we mentioned this uh, last week when we uh, had Paul Brogan on the show. Tonight in the same space where the Concord Theater existed from 1933 to 1994. Uh, the celebration will start at 7 o'clock, the big anniversary celebration tonight at the Bank of New Hampshire stage on South Main Street, uh, right across the street from uh, the Concord Hotel and the Red River Theater. And the celebration will be hosted by Laura Connoy and it will culminate with the showing of 1987's Moonstruck. I think most people of a certain age are familiar with that movie, starring Cher and Nicolas Cage and Olympia Dukakis, uh, Danny Aiello, Vincent Gardinia, John Mahoney. The list goes on and on. Why Moonstruck? Why, why are they showing uh, Moonstruck, you may wonder? Well, Moonstruck was the second leading grossing film of all time in the annals of the Concord Theater. Any guesses as to uh, what was number one? You might have heard it last week. We did talk about it. Valley of the Dolls. But the folks who were in charge of putting the program on decided to go with Moonstruck, and I think uh, they made a proper decision. If anybody is familiar with uh, Valley of the Dolls, uh, to me, Moonstruck is a uh, far superior uh, motion picture, but uh, Valley of the Dolls was uh, the highest grossing movie ever in the history of the Concord Downtown Movie Theater. So so there you go. A little trivia for you on this uh, Wednesday morning. couple of uh, thought-provoking articles on the front page of, of today's Concord Monitor will share portions of uh, both of those uh, with you. Uh, One, uh, the headline is, uh, Betting on a New Hand. Guess what that deals with? Uh, Rental fees and the proliferation of casinos within the state were two of the topics that came up before a new study committee responsible for examining charitable gaming operations in New Hampshire. State Senator Tim Lang expressed concern about some charities being surprised when they receive a bill in their mail for rent that cuts into the money they expected to receive from the charitable gaming facilities. Now, charities are required to pay rent to casinos during their scheduled donation events. Fees can fluctuate significantly, ranging from $250 dollars to $750 across the 14 casinos in New Hampshire. 14 casinos, folks, in this tiny state. Wow. Uh, Casino owner, and we well know uh, this story has been uh, well documented, casino owner Andy Sanborn adjusted the fees, so he took half of all charity payouts in the form of rent, according to public records. Despite Sanborn's other legal issues, which could ban him from operating a casino in the state, his practice of charging whatever he wanted for rent was baked into the state's books. Now, if a casino's earnings on a game night fall short of the rent agreed upon with charities, the rent is adjusted downward downward to ensure that charities don't end up with a negative balance, to make sure the charities are not paying the casinos, in other words. It's really been, you know, uh, for, for a long time now, with the charitable casinos in New Hampshire, it has been like the wild, wild west, really, with virtually no real rules in place. In, in terms of, what you know, what the standard fee is, that the charity has to pay the casino in order to reap the profits, uh, which are supposed to be, I believe, 35% of a a casino's take uh, for a night. Former State Representative Patrick Abrami, who was appointed as chair of the study committee Tuesday, recognized the growth and changes that the industry has seen over the years and emphasized the group's role of shaping it into what it's meant to be. Uh, Abrami said, uh, I think we all support charitable gaming here, but we might be unsure about the new landscape that when we approach it, uh, uh, you know, the, the way it wants to be, this will be a guide for the legislature going forward as to what, uh, you know, we want in uh, our opinion. Abrami beat out uh, Tim Lang to become the chair by a 7-5 to five vote, and that decision was far less contentious. Uh, compared to the initial appointment of State Representative Laurie Sanborn as the chair during the commission's inaugural gathering in August. Laurie Sanborn operates the Concord Casino with her spouse, Andy, who was found to be unsuitable to be involved in a charitable gaming operation by the New Hampshire Lottery Commission and uh, the Attorney General. Sanborn is challenging the decision and continues to operate the Concord Casino in the meantime. Sanborn fraudulently uh, used uh, COVID relief funds for personal expenses, including buying sports cars for himself and his wife, according to the Lottery Commission and the the Attorney General's Office investigation. Furthermore, casinos were prevented from applying for COVID relief money. But Mr. Sanborn, the former state senator, uh, said uh, you know, on the form that he filled out that the activities at the uh, Concord Casino, I don't think casino, but the, the corporation is Win-Win-Win LLC, and the activities inside that facility were listed as miscellaneous. <laughs> no mention of gambling. So the funds in the first place were received fraudulently and use fraudulently. But the casino remains open to this day on South Main Street in Concord. A hearing, by the way, on that matter has been uh, delayed twice, most recently by a court, order, a court order requested by Mr. Sanborn, who argued he didn't, didn't have enough time to mount a defense. Uh, two senators, five state reps, two members from charitable groups, one charitable gaming operator, one public member, Attorney General John Formella and Lottery Commission Director Charlie McIntyre, by the way, make up the 13-member study committee. Another issue on the committee's radar is whether the state should impose a limit on the number of uh, gaming licenses and locations uh, in the state. New Hampshire now home to 14 operational casinos, which have transformed into uh, entertainment destinations featuring live shows, concerts, and dining experiences alongside the traditional array of table games and card rooms. And most of them now, uh, this is not said in the article, but most of them now have uh, slot machines. I'm just upset they don't have video poker. They don't have video poker in any one of them because I guess it's not legal uh, in New Hampshire. As of now, the state does not limit the number of casinos that could operate in the Granite State. So I, I know there are 14 in operation, and actually there are 16 licenses out there. So uh, two are still looking to either uh, get a location or uh, you know find a location and open it up. Well, I don't know what the delay is, but there are 16 licenses out there and 14 uh, current gaming locations in the state of New Hampshire. You know this whole mess. And it's kind of a mess because there are no hard and fast rules. Uh, And I guess they're heading in that direction. It's taken a while because charitable gaming has been a thing quite some time in New Hampshire. And over the past few years, it has really skyrocketed and taken off. So they're looking to establish some rules, some guidelines, and uh, that have not been in place, believe it or not. Hard to believe, isn't it, in the state that there wouldn't be rules in place? Uh, anyway, whole thing could have been resolved years ago by building a what I call a real, a real major league casino off exit one in Salem, New Hampshire. And there were many suitors who wanted a piece of that property. Now well, they wanted the whole property that uh, Rockingham Park once stood on. And uh, I tell you what, it, it would have been, in my opinion, the best location for a casino in New England. Bar none. Bar none. What a great location. What a source of revenue that would have been. And uh, one of the uh, big backers for many years of a casino for New Hampshire, State Senator Lou D'Alessandro, was going to put in a proviso there that uh, charitable gaming... Uh, would uh, the folks who have benefited from charitable gaming in the past would continue to benefit uh, from the some of the receipts uh, garnered by the proposed uh, casino at rockingham park which never happened and never will which is highly unfortunate because that plot of land was profitable for many years as uh, rockingham park racetrack but would have been a perfect location, but we blew it. We blew it in the state of New Hampshire. What a boondoggle that was, as they say. Well, we will uh, take a break. Talk about more things coming up right here, including some uh, new housing uh, for Concord on the way, we hope, because we certainly need it. Right here, Kale & Company Live, WKXLNHtalkradio.com. We will be... Right back. Welcome back. Kale and Company live here on WKXL, and NHtalkradio.com. Presented by Northeast Delta Dental. David Brooks had an article above the fold of the uh, Concord Monitor today. And uh, a proposed development at uh, Sewell's Falls in North Concord has grown to 944 Apartments, condominiums, and townhouses, that's an increase of almost 50% since it was formally presented last summer. The project called Monitor Way, because much of it would be built on land alongside the Concord Monitor Building on Sewells Falls Road, and seeks to build 151 workforce housing units, 327 market-rate apartments. With a mixed use retail center, 223 standalone market rate apartments, 71 townhouses for sale, and 172 condominiums for sale and rent. It would also feature 100,000 square feet of commercial retail space and another 100,000 square feet of self storage space. The conceptual plan calls for the buildings to be spaced out around a new road that runs along the east bank of the Merrimack River between Sewells Falls Road and Exit 17 off of uh, Route 93. The project is one of a number of large mixed-use developments that have been proposed or are being developed in Concord recently. Two of these, the Monitor Way and the uh, the proposal to uh, replace Steeplegate Mall with 625 apartments and various shops and restaurants, will come before the planning board tonight for their first conceptual design review, the beginning of what will probably be a lengthy process before final approval. But uh, things at least are starting to look up a little bit in terms of housing. And hopefully it will be affordable housing for uh, people who... uh, either want to uh, you know downsize or move to Concord. Concord's a great city, and uh, a lot of people would like to live here, but uh, either uh, there are no homes available within their price range, or the apartments and, and condos are priced out of sight. I mean, folks, it is tough to get a two-bedroom apartment in this city of Concord. For under eighteen hundred dollars a month, very tough. In fact, next to impossible, I would say. It, you know, if you want to, you know, a decent place. Uh, and uh, so, the the need for affordable housing is certainly there, and uh, you know, it will bring uh, you know lots of revenue in terms of uh, tax revenue uh, to the city of Concord. So. Uh, it's a win-win, but some structural things have to be considered as well. Uh, infrastructure, uh, sewerage, that, that sort of thing. And uh, it will all begin the process tonight before the uh, planning board. Now, the other article that uh, David Brooks had today was also interesting. Developers who want to build fast charging stations for electric vehicles along interstate highways and in Route 202 are being invited to submit plans as part of New Hampshire's belated efforts to join the EV bandwagon. We've talked about this with uh, Dan Weed uh, from time to time. There just aren't enough charging stations in the state of New Hampshire, but we're not alone. You could say that about uh, many states uh, in this country. The New Hampshire Department of Transportation is releasing a request for proposals as part of the first phase of the plan for electric vehicle infrastructure development. New Hampshire will get more than $17 million over five years as part of the national electric vehicle infrastructure designed to put half a million new charging stations along major travel routes across the country. Now, under phase one, EV stations would be built along Interstate 89, Interstate 93, and U.S. Route 202 NH9. 202 and 9, of course, as well as along the uh, main uh, border. Uh, the chosen vendors will be responsible for installing new direct current uh, fast charging stations along with five years of operation and maintenance. Such stations are increasingly seen as important for attracting tourists as the number of electric vehicles increases. They are less important for local EV owners, most of whom uh, can charge their vehicles at home. But if people are planning a trip uh, to New Hampshire, uh, you know they want to know how many EV stations, Uh, There are where they are. And uh, so compared to the rest of New England, it says uh, New Hampshire isn't too far behind when it comes to fast charging public stations, which can replenish a car battery in as little as 15 minutes. The state has more fast chargers than Rhode Island or Vermont, although less than the national median and less than Maine, Massachusetts and Connecticut according to the site EV Adoption. So there you go. New Hampshire has previously sought developers to build public stations using money from uh, the Volkswagen Dieselgate program, but little has come of it. Uh, Proposals will be accepted, by the way, for these uh, EV charging stations until 2 p.m. on Friday, December fifteenth, 2023. So uh, there you go. Get in touch with the state if you want to uh, be one of these uh, developers of uh, the charging stations along 93, 89, 202, and 9, right on the main border as well, And uh, because we need them. We need them if we want to continue tourism uh, here in the state of New Hampshire in years to come. Uh, People will increasingly uh, have electric vehicles. So there you go. We need them. They are playfully called the Forgotten Five, a handful of toys, the Pogo Stick, the Fisher-Price Corn Popper, My Little Pony, Pez Dispensers, and Transformers that regularly approach toy box royalty as finalists as the National Toy Hall of Fame, only to be tossed back on the file. For one of them, this is the year they finally make it in to the Hall of Fame. Let The fans are going to decide on one of them. Toys are usually chosen uh, for the annual induction ceremony with input from a panel of historians, educators, and other experts. The members vote for their top three out of a dozen finalists that have been selected by an internal committee from among uh, thousands of nominations that come in each year. But this year, fan voters will pick the so-called forgotten five to celebrate. They will pick one of them to celebrate the National Toy Hall of Fame's 25th anniversary. That's along with three toys to be chosen in the usual way. But uh, this is unique that uh, fans get a chance to uh, vote on, uh, and again, the Forgotten Five are the Fisher-Price Corn Popper, My Little Pony, Pez Dispensers, and Transformers, and along with the Pogo Stick. They are not, believe it or not, none of them, are in the Toy Hall of Fame. Fans can cast one vote per day through October 24th on the National Toy Hall of Fame website. And By the way, the National Toy Hall of Fame is in Rochester, New York. The winner, along with the other inductees, will be revealed during the induction ceremony on November the 9th. So uh, there you go. There's going to be a few more toys inducted into the National Toy Hall of Fame in Rochester, New York. We will take a break, and then we'll be back to Uncle Little Hockey as the Legends of New uh, New Hampshire uh, Hockey Banquet is coming up, inducting more members into uh, that Hall of Fame this Sunday. And Dick Boucher, one of the men, one of the driving forces behind the New Hampshire legends of hockey is going to be joining us in just a couple of minutes to tell us all about it right here on WKXLNHtalkradio.com presented by Northeast Delta Dental. And we will be right back is Kale and Company Live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com for a Wednesday big event in Concord coming up on Sunday, the annual Legends of Hockey Banquet. And uh, joining us now on the phone is our good friend Dick Boucher. Dick, good morning to you. Good morning to you, Ken. And, and Dick, I would be remiss if I did not take a moment to uh, wish you and your lovely wife a very happy 65th wedding anniversary
1: today. Yes, it is. And thank you very, very much. Well, congratulations. It's gone by real quick.
0: And, uh, and they said it wouldn't last, Dick, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Boy, they got that wrong, huh?
1: They sure did.
0: <laughs> 65 years. That is truly amazing. Truly Thank amazing. Thank you very much. Thank and, you. And, uh, Dick, one of the driving forces behind the New Hampshire Legends of Hockey. Dick, you were there uh, for the formation uh, of the organization back in, in 2001. Tell us a little bit about how it got started.
1: It really was a uh, like a brainchild of uh, D- Jeff Eisenberg. I was serving on the board of directors of the uh, the uh, uh, Franco-American Center, and uh, we had a gal by the name of uh, Francois Jolise, who'd been in contact with Jeff, and I didn't know Jeff at all. And I knew that he was bring I knew his name, I knew he was bringing a, he had a big job, president of the Monarchs, and he-, he was looking for a little bit of History and so, uh, an appointment was made for him and I to meet, along with Francois and some of his uh, employees. And after a brief talk, I told him what I told him what had happened here in, the, in New Hampshire, going back to the Alpine Club, the, the Black Hawks, and I came from Berlin. And so we chatted for probably about maybe a half hour, forty-five minutes. And when all this was said and done, he said, Dick, he says, "Um, I need some help. And I'd like you to be able to introduce to me the pioneers of hockey in the state. And I was 65 at that time. And so I said, you know what, I can do that because I've been around quite a bit. And uh, and from there, it it kind of uh, blossomed. Uh, he, he He was a driving force, obviously. And I I kind of mentioned to him, I said, you know, Jeff, you don't have to work that hard. Hockey has been around New Hampshire for a long, long time. I happen to come from Berlin, which at one time was the hockey hotbed in New Hampshire, pretty much New England. And and so from there, he kind of felt a little bit more comfortable. And so he says to me, and and then he says, one more thing I need for you, from you," he says. "I uh, it might be a little bit tougher," he says. "I'd like you to start a New Hampshire Hockey Hall of Fame." I says, "Whoa, yeah, my God, Jeff, I, I'm a hockey player." He says, <laughs> "Give it some thought." So anyway, I was, I was struggling with this thing, and at supper one night, shortly after the meeting, uh, John says to me, "Are you?" still struggling with what you should do about this offer and I said, Yes I am. She says, you know what, why don't you do it and be smart enough to enjoy it? I says, Okay, that's it. So I called Jeff and from there that took off a li- it took on a life of its own. We're into our twenty second it took a while to get this thing going. And the th- the, the, the first things the first three calls that I made was to Berlin, my hometown. Yeah, and I called my hockey coach and also my mentor, Al Adams, Rod Blackburn, and Tony Urban, and the three of them said, "It's about time." What do you need for help? So I was in touch with Dick Humili, some of the you know the great the, the, the coaches of colleges, and some other people that I'd known through the through the years through hockey, and we got this board going. And here we are, all these many years, the fire is still in the stomach, the guy's sitting on the board, it's all voluntary. And we, you know, we, have a, we have a saying, we agree to disagree, but after the meeting is over, we're all friends. And it's, it's, you know, it's one purpose. The purpose is to keep the sport going. Uh, we had a lot of help from a lot of people, a lot of great people served on our board. And every one of them uh, uh, gave us ideas, and, and of course we got Jim Hayes. If you talk about a driving force, you've got one right there. He is. I think that he eats, sleeps, drinks hockey maybe more than I do. So we're very, very fortunate to have been around all these many years helping uh, youth hockey, Keeping the keeping the sport of life and the most important thing, Ken, is when we have an induction ceremony. And I've been there since day one, and I can tell you that all of the inductees, and we've had many of them, yeah. all of them never thought when they started this journey that one day they would end up in a, in a hockey Hall of Fame. And I was on the ice for the very first. Induction ceremony, and I remember some of the guys from Berlin that came down, my old hockey coach, Barney LaRage, when his name came up and he saw his face on the jumbotron, big tears were coming down his eyes. And I said, oh, my God. So we've made a lot of people happy. Oh, absolutely. One, you know, yep. go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, and, uh, you know, when, when the Monarchs were in town, uh, the uh, Hall of Fame inductees were all – uh, introduced uh, on the ice and uh, before the uh, the crowds at at then uh, the Verizon Wireless Arena, and he uh, got a got a big hand and and Dick, I know you were inducted yourself in uh, in 2005. Yes, I was. Yeah, and and that, better better to be inducted than indicted, right? <laughs>
1: That's true. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You know, going back to the uh, the very inception, Kenny, you were there. You were right there with us, and you as well were inducted into the Hall of Fame and well deserved, because I, I, you know, I, I'm just going to talk about Ken Kale for a second here. Ken Kale was, was had a voice, and my wife and I were season tickets for all these many years, and when the game ended, we would dash to the car, put the car radio on, and listen to Ken Kale describe the, you know, the game and all the points, and... You you were you were right there with us, Kenny. You were right there and I we I we appreciate that. It we was still talk of, about that today.
0: It was a lot of fun. It was uh, a great run. I I'm sorry we still do not have uh professional hockey in, in uh in New Hampshire. Uh but uh maybe maybe one of these years, Dick. Maybe. You never know,
1: right? Hey, I'm getting older, I hope it's sooner than later.
0: Yeah, I hope so too. I hope so too. And uh And Dick, just to give you a little bit of background on Dick, uh, Dick, uh, an outstanding player himself, a a legend in uh, Berlin, New Hampshire, and then uh, from 62 to 65 played for the uh, Concord Shamrocks and the Alpine uh, hockey team, one of the organizers of the uh, Manchester Blackhawks, and he was the business manager of the team from 65 to 71. And uh, as we said, Dick has been uh, with the legends of hockey uh, since uh, 2001, and uh, again, it's it's a, a group that does a lot of good uh, to help youth hockey and help uh, hockey sustain and, and continue uh, here in the Granite State. And everybody will tell you, Dick, that New Hampshire has one of the best youth hockey programs in the country. There's no doubt.
1: They do, and, I'm, and we're we're so fortunate. You know, Kenny, going back to, uh, because of the age, I remember when the the Notre Dame Arena was built. Hang on a second. Hang
0: on. Dick's Dick's getting a call from one of his admirers here, of which which he has many, and uh, probably to uh, wish him a happy anniversary. 65 today uh, for Dick Boucher. There's going to be five new inductees uh, this coming Sunday. And uh, the ceremony will take place at the Grapponi Conference Center on Commercial Street in Concord, as it has for the uh, last many years. And uh, the new inductees this year are going to be uh, Walter Nado of of Berlin, uh, the late Paul Como, Dave Caron of Belmont, Nelson Hutchings of Portsmouth, and Mick Mounsey of Concord. So a great class uh, going in. They will be inducted on uh, Sunday at the uh, Graponi Conference Center in Concord. Uh, we will take a break, and we'll uh, chat more with Dick uh, right after these words. Kale & Company continues here on WKXL NHTalkRadio.com. Presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Northeast Delta Dental has individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. Learn more and find your plan at Delta Dental DeltaDentalCoversMe.com. We shall return after these words. Kale & Company, WKXL, NHTalkRadio.com. Stay with us. Kale & Company live here on WKXL, NHTalkRadio.com for a Wednesday. Dick Boucher is with us. Dick, one of the founders of the New Hampshire Legends of Hockey back in 2001. Big banquet coming up this Sunday in Concord. And we mentioned uh, the incoming class, uh, a Dick of uh, Walter Nado of Berlin, uh, the late Paul Como, uh, Dave Karen of Belmont, Nelson Hutchings of Portsmouth, uh, who turned 100 uh, recently, and uh, Mick Mounsey of Concord. So it's a great class.
1: It is. It is. It's a, it's a, it is a great class. Uh, I'm just going to go over a little bit of the. Uh well, Walter Nadeau um, is is, was, never played the game, but with the help of uh, Rod Blackburn, and I know you know him, yeah. uh, a, a, a bunch of money was donated to the, the Berlin co Historical Society to honor the inductees from Berlin and um, to, to um, have, like, a bust, uh, a room set aside for all the inductees, which is, uh, I guess, it's about a little over thirty, and uh, with the, the 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 enthusiasm and the research, and uh, he is a retired school teacher. He put together a room, Ken, and I, we visited up in Berlin, the family, and uh, it's unbelievable what this guy did, and it's kind of it's kind of humbling. For all of us that grew up and uh, to have that kind of recognition. So well-deserved, put a lot of work, loves the game, and we're happy to have him with us. The next one is McMounsey. Well, you know more about him, I think, than anybody. And, uh, you know, the, the Mounsey family, just a great, great hockey family. Tara, obviously. Mick, great, great um, career at UNH. And um, well deserved as well. Um, Dave Karen of the Belmont area again involved with the youth hockey, which is one of the driving forces that keeps us going. Well deserved again. Paul Como served on our board. He's got a history that's as long as anybody, and again well deserved. And finally, the one hundred year old gent. And what a story! <laughs> What a story! He has logged in over three thousand games throughout his lifetime in the Rochester area. Wow, at least he's from the coast. Yeah, and uh, and I I'm I'm anxious to meet him. I don't know a name. I just through the, you know, the nomination form. But uh, at hundred years old, just that alone is is a feat. And so, um, it's a great, great, great class, well deserved, and just happy to have him on board. Uh, you know, on Sunday, and you'll be there as well, Ken. I will be there.
0: I will be there on Sunday. And uh, the the team that's going to be honored uh, this year, as a as a team, is or honored every year uh, yep. at the banquet. This year, it's going to be the Concord Eastern Olympics, and I think yep. you have some. Interesting tales to tell about the Eastern Olympics.
1: I do. I do. The Eastern Olympics was formed uh, on the East Coast, in the Boston area, and funded by Hood Milk. And the reason why the the team, Hood Milk, decided to back this endeavor was because every four years, Olympic time, a lot of the players that played on those Olympic teams, and there's been exceptions, Came from the Midwest, Michigan, Wisconsin, Dakota, um, in, in, in that area, the Midwest, and so they decided to uh, to have a a say, a showing that we the East would be represented in the Boston area. So they were known as the Eastern Olympics, and um, we formed the league back in I want to say maybe. I think it was, called the New England Hockey League. And they were involved in the formation of that. In fact, that was their first president. So fast forward a little bit. Uh, Tom Johnson, who was the GM of the Bruins, former Hall of Famer, played for the Canadians, I got a call from him one day. And he said, Dick, we had talked before. He says, "I've I've got a question to ask you. And he says... Do you think, I was with the Blackhawks, he said, do you think that your team, the Blackhawks, would mind coming to Boston and play the Eastern Olympics as a preliminary game for the Oshawa Generals and the Niagara Falls Flyers? The Oshawa Generals is a team that Bobby Orr came up with. Right, right. And yeah. then, then Niagara Falls is Derek Sanderson. Yeah. And so I said, I'm sure that I'm sure that the team would so I talked it over with the uh, the owner and it was it was a goal right from right right from the beginning. So that was our introduction to the you know, to the Eastern Olympics. Fast forward a little bit, I'm not exactly sure how this whole thing worked out, but they became the conquered Eastern Olympics. And I got to tell you, you right. the game of hockey. When the Blackhawks met the Eastern Olympics, I don't care if it was in Concord or in Manchester, if you didn't get there at 5 o'clock, you <laughs> yeah. weren't going in. And it was, uh, it was good hockey. It was hot hockey. Um, most of the guys that played for Concord, some of them came from the Massachusetts area. Obviously, Dickie Pinch, I could go through a list. And those two teams kind of really extended senior hockey in that league for another good five, six, seven years. Because at that point, Ken, as you well know, Bobby Or was coming into the picture and, and you know, the hockey changed a little bit. And he made a change. So, yes, uh, and and I'm so glad that a lot of them will be there. As you know, we got it. We all get older. Some have passed on. So it'll be a it'll be a great day to memorialize those guys and um, have them, you know, at, at one spot, one day. You put time on hold, and this is hockey. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that.
0: Absolutely, and and so, Dick, you said the uh, the Eastern Olympics. Uh, that were in Boston at that time mm-hmm. uh, played the uh, the Manchester Black Hawks in the prelim to that uh, Niagara yes. Falls Oshawa game
1: yes well wow. we drove it, down this was what an experience so that was what what year like 66 I want to say 60 I want to say 68 68 yeah but okay. 67 68 and that, uh, okay. in that time frame. okay okay
0: cuz you know what i i was at that game because no no I was I was because that was uh, that was Bobby Orr's first game at the Garden. That's right. And Derek Sanderson.
1: That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Kenny, yeah. I I got to tell you this short story. I was sitting with Ed Powers back at the goal uh, Judge. Uh-huh. And when Bobby Orr stepped on the ice. Yeah. I said, "Oh my god, I can't believe this kid." And, uh, Richie, Kenny, I'm so glad that you put that in there because I've been telling that story forever. And nobody was there except the Blackhawks and, you know, and the uh, the Eastern Olympics. and But you were there. Oh, my God. I,
0: I was there. Uh, it was a good, oh good crowd on hand that day. I think it might have been packed because, you know, Bobby Orr was... Was so hyped back at that time, and of course yep. he, he lived up to the hype and then some. Oh my God! Yeah, but uh, so you were sitting with the Eddie Powers, yes, who was the president, right, of the Garden at the time, right? He
1: was. He Was yeah. Was. And, yeah. You know, like I said, I I will never forget that moment yeah. ever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And a, a, a proud alum of uh, of Bentley, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is kind of unknown because my mother went there and, and knew uh, Eddie Powers. Oh my God! Yeah.
1: How about that. What a small world, Kenny! It is. And I'm finding this out after all these years of knowing you. <laughs> I love it. I know it. I yeah. love it.
0: You never, you never know. Uh, but,
1: no, uh, you don't. That's for sure.
0: But that was a great day at the garden, and I know uh, my father and I <clears throat> took uh, took my great grandfather to that game, who loved uh-huh. hockey, and uh, and he saw Bobby Orr for the first time yep. and. Uh, and then I, I think the very next year he was with the Boston Bruins. So he was,
1: yeah, he was because yeah. he came in I guess sixty nine or something like that. Yeah, you know I, I've I've relived that moment driving the bus into the old Boston Garden. I mean, can you imagine that? Well, and the yeah. guys getting out of the bus in a dressing room. I, I mean, I, the the boys, the Blackhawks were so excited.
0: Yeah, I'll
1: and. Bet. And 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 what I can't believe you were there, Kenny. I'm so happy. I I was
0: there. Yeah, I was sitting in what they call the old stadium seats. You know, right in in back of the the walk around. You know, there were the loge seats, and then there were the stadium seats. That's right. And I I can almost tell you the location that we were in at at that time. Back at the uh, back at the old. Smoke-filled Boston Garden. (laughs) Yes, it was, but it was the best. I loved it. I loved it. No doubt about it. Great atmosphere. What a great story. Yeah. Well, Dick, we look forward to seeing you and uh, all of the legends, uh, because uh, many of them return uh, every year, and it's a great thing to get together with them and and some of the new legends that will be uh, inducted uh, on on Sunday as well. Always a great day, and uh, we look forward to seeing you, Dick.
1: We're lucky to have you, Ken. We're
0: lucky to have you. And uh, thanks for spending time with us today here on the show. And again, happy 65th anniversary to you and your lovely bride. Thank you very much, Ken. All right. Have a great day, Dick. You bet. Thank you. All right. And that'll do it for this edition of Kale & Company right here on WKXLNHtalkradio.com. Thanks for being with us. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Remember, folks, always look on the bright side of life. Have a great Wednesday, everybody.